Letter eighty two of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Mrs. Austin, off Bulak, Cairo, July tenth, eighteen sixty six. Dearest Mutter, I am much better again. My cold went off without a violent illness, and I was only weak and nervous. I am very comfortable here, anchored off Bulak, with my rais and one sailor who cleans and washes my clothes, which Omar irons, as at Luxor. He found the washerwoman here charged five francs a dozen for all small things, and more for dresses. A bad hashash boy turned Achmet's head, who ran away for two days and spent a dollar in riotous living. He returned penitent and got no fatted calf, but dry bread and a confiscation of his new clothes. The heat, when I left Luxor, was prodigious. I was detained three days by the death of Sheikh Yusuf's poor little wife and baby, in childbirth, so I was forced to stay and eat the funeral feast, and be present at the Katma, reading of the Koran on the third night, or it would not have seemed kind. The Qadi gave me a very curious prayer-book, The Guide of the Faithful, written in Darfur, in beautiful characters, with very singular decorations, and in splendid binding. It contains the names of all the prophets, and of the hundred appellations of Muhammad, and is therefore a powerful hagab or talisman. He requested me to never give it away, and always keep it with me. Such books cannot be bought with money at all. I also bought a most beautiful hagab of Cornelian set in enamel, the verse of the throne splendidly engraved, and dated two hundred and fifty years ago. I sent over by Palgrave to Alec Monsieur Brune's lovely drawings of Luxor and Karnak, and to Maurice a gold coin which I received as a fee from an old Bedoui. It was so hot that I could not face the ride up to Kenna, when all my friends there came to fetch me, nor could I go to Siut. I never felt such heat. At Beni Souf I went to see our Maon's daughter, married to another Maon there. It was a pleasant visit. The master of the house was out, and his mother and wife received me like one of the family. Such a pretty woman and such darling children! A pale little slight girl of five, a sturdy boy of four, and a baby of one year old. The eager hospitality of the little creatures was quite touching. The little girl asked to have on her best frock, and then she stood before me and fanned me seriously and diligently, and asked every now and then, Shall I make thee a sherbet? Shall I bring thee a coffee? And then questions about Grandpapa and Grandmamma, and Abd el-Hamid and Abd el-Fatah, while the boy sat on his heels before me and asked questions about my family in his baby talk and assured me it was a good day to him, and wanted me to stay three days and to sleep with them. Their father came in and gave each an ashara, ten fadas, one half piastra, which, after consulting together, they tied in the corner of my handkerchief to spend on my journey. The little girl took such care of my hat and gloves and shoes, all very strange garments to her, but politeness was stronger than curiosity with the little things. I breakfasted with them all day, and found much cookery going on for me. I took a doll for my friend, Oyusha, and some sugar-plums for Mohammed, but they laid them aside in order to devote themselves to the stranger, all quietly and with no sort of show-off or obtrusiveness. Even the baby seemed to have the instinct of hospitality, and was full of smiles. It was all of a piece with the good old lady, their grandmother at Luxor, who wanted to wash my clothes for me herself because I said the black slave of Mohammed washed badly. Remember that to do menial offices for a guest is an honor and a pleasure, and not derogatory at all here. 
the ladies cook for you, and say, I will cook my best for thee. The worst is that they stuff one so. Little Ayusha asked after my children, and said, May God preserve them for thee. Tell the little girl that Muhammad and I love her from afar off. Whereupon Muhammad declared that in a few years, please God, when he should be Balal, marriageable, he would marry her and live with me. When I went back to the boat, the effendi was ill with asthma, and I would not let him go with me in the heat. A polite man accompanies an honored guest back to his house or boat or tent. So the little boy volunteered, and we rode off on the effendi's donkey, which I had to bestride, with Muhammad on the hump of the saddle before me. He was delighted with the boat, of course, and romped and played about till we sailed, when his slave took him home. Those children gave me a happy day with their earnest, gracious hospitality. July 14th. Since I wrote this, I have had the boat topsy-turvy, with a carpenter and a menegate cushion-stuffer, and had not a corner even to write in. I am better, but still cough every morning. I am, however, much better, and have got quite over the nervous depression which made me feel unable and ashamed to write. My young carpenter, a Christian, half-Syrian, half-copt, of the Greek rite, and altogether a Kyrene, would have pleased you. He would not work on Sunday, but instead came mounted on a splendid tall black donkey, and handsomely dressed to pay me a visit, and go out with me for a ride. So he, I, and Omar went up to the city, Lady Zainab's mosque, to inquire for Mustafa Bey Subki, the Hakim Pasha, whom I had known at Luxor. I was told by the porter of the mosque to seek him at the shop of a certain grocer, his particular friend, where he sits every evening. On going there we found the shop with its lid shut down. A shop is like a box laid on its side, with the lid pulled up when open, and dropped when shut, as big as a cobbler's stall in Europe. The young grocer was being married, and Mustafa Bey was ill. So I went to his house in the quarter, such narrow streets, and was shown up by a young eunuch into the harem, and found my old friend very poorly, but spent a pleasant evening with him, his young wife, a Georgian slave whom he had married, his daughter by a former wife, whom he had married while he was fourteen, and the female dwarf buffoon of the Velida Pasha, Ishmael's mother, whose heart I won by rising to her, because she was so old and deformed. The other women laughed, but the little old dwarf liked it. She was a Circassian, and seemed clever. You see how the thousand and one nights are quite true and real, how great bays sit with grocers, and carpenters have no hesitation in offering civility to Nas Umrah, noble people. This is what makes Arab society quite unintelligible and impossible to most Europeans. My carpenter's boy was the son of a Munshied, singer in the mosque, and at night he used to sit and warble to us, with his little baby voice and round, innocent face, the most violent love-songs. He was about eight years old, and sang with wonderful finish and precision, but no expression, until I asked him for a sacred song, which begins, I cannot sleep for longing for thee, O full moon, the prophet, and then the little chap warmed to his work, and the feeling came out. Palgrave has left in my charge a black boy of his, now at Luxor, where he left him very ill, with Mustafa Aga. The child told me he was a nyan-nyan, cannibal, but he did not look ogreish. I have written to Mustafa to send him me by the first opportunity. Ahmed has quite recovered his temper, and I do so much better without a maid that I shall remain so. The difference in expense is enormous, and the peace and quiet a still greater gain. No more grumbling and exigencies and worry. Omar irons very fairly, and the sailor washes well enough, and I don't want toilette 
Anyhow, I would rather wear a sack than try the experiment again. An uneducated, coarse-minded European is too disturbing an element in the family life of Easterns, the sort of filial relation, at once familiar and reverential of servants, to a master like they, is odious to English and still more to French servants. If I fall in with an Arab or Abyssinian woman to suit me I will take her, but of course it is rare. A raw slave can do nothing, nor can a fellaha, and a Cairo woman is bored to death up in the Said. As to care and attention, I want for nothing. Omar does everything well and with pride and pleasure, and is delighted at the saving of expense in wine, beer, meat, etc., etc. One feeds six or eight Arabs well with the money for one European. While the carpenter, his boy, and two McNuggets were here, a very moderate dish of vegetables, stewed with a pound of meat, was put before me, followed by a chicken or a pigeon for me alone. The stew was then set on the ground to all the men, and two loaves of a piastre each, to every one, a jar of water, and, alhamdulillah, four men and two boys had dined handsomely. At breakfast a watermelon and another loaf apiece, and a cup of coffee all round, and I passed for a true Arab in hospitality. Of course no European can live so, and they despise the Arabs for doing it, while the Arab servant is not flattered at seeing the European get all sorts of costly luxuries which he thinks unnecessary. Besides, he has to stand on the defensive, in order not to be made a drudge by his European fellow-servant, and despised for being one, so he leaves undone all sorts of things which he does with alacrity when it is for the master only. What Omar does now seems wonderful, but he says he feels like the Sultan now he has only me to please. July 15th. Last night came the two Meneggets to pay a friendly visit, and sat and told stories, so I ordered coffee, and one took his sugar out of his pocket to put in his cup, which made me laugh inwardly. He told a fisherman, who stopped his boat alongside for a little conversation, the story of two fishermen, the one a Jew, the other a Muslim, who were partners in the time of the Arab prophet, upon whom be blessing and peace. The Jew, when he flung his nets, called on the prophet of the Jews, and hauled it up full of fish every time. Then the Muslim called on our master Mohammed, etc., etc., and hauled up each time only stones, until the Jew said, Depart, O man, thou bringest us misfortune. Shall I continue to take half thy stones, and give thee half my fish? Not so. So the Muslim went to our master Mohammed, and said, Behold, I mention thy name when I cast my net, and I catch only stones and calamity. How is this? But the blessed prophet said to him, Because thy stomach is black inwardly, and thou thoughtest to sell thy fish at an unfair price, and to defraud thy partner and the people, while the Jew's heart was clean towards thee and the people, and therefore God listened to him rather than to thee. I hope our fisherman was edified by this fine moral. I also had good stories from the chief driver of Cairo, who came to examine the bottom of my boat and told me, in a whisper, a long tale of his grandfather's descent below the waters of the Nile, into the land of the people who lived there, and keep tame crocodiles to hunt fish for them. They gave him a sleeve full of fish's scales, and told him never to return, and not to tell about them, but when he got home the scales had turned to money. But most wonderful of all was Hagi Hannah's story of her own life, and the journey of Omar's mother carrying her old mother in a basket on her head, from Damietta to Alexandria, and dragging Omar, then a very little boy, by the hand. The energy of many women here is amazing. The Nile is rising fast, and the Bashir is coming, the messenger who precedes the Hajj and brings letters. Bashir is good tidings, to coin a word. 
Many hearts are lightened and many half broken today. I shall go up to the Abbasiyah to meet the Mahmal and see the Hajis arrive. Next Friday I must take my boat out of the water, or at least heel her over, to repair the bad places made at Alexandria. It seems I once cured a Raiz of the Pashas of dysentery at Minia, and he has not forgotten it, though I had, so Raiz Awad will give me a good place on the Pasha's bank, and lend ropes and levers which will save a good deal of expense and trouble. I shall move out all the things and myself into a boat of Zubaydas for four or five days, and stay alongside to superintend my caulkers. Miss Berry is dull, no doubt, but few books seem dull to me now, I can tell you, and I was much delighted with such a piece de résistance. Miss Eden I don't wish for. That sort of theatre burlesque view of the customs of a strange country is inexpressibly tedious to one who is familiar with the akin to it. There is plenty of real fun to be had here, but that sort is only funny to Cockneys. I want to read Baker's book very much. I am much pleased with Abed el Kader's book, which Dozen sent me, and I want the original dreadfully for Sheikh Yusuf, to show him that he and I are supported by such an authority as the great Amir in our notions about the real unity of the faith. The book is a curious mixture of good sense and credulity, quite Arab of the Arabs. I will write a paper on the popular beliefs of Egypt. It will be curious, I think. By the way, I see in the papers and reviews speculations as to some imaginary Mohammedan conspiracy, because of the very great number of pilgrims last year from all parts to Mecca. C'est chercher midi à quatorze heures. Last year, the day of Abraham's sacrifice, and therefore the day of the pilgrimage, the Sermon on the Mount Arafat, fell on a Friday, and when that happens there is always a rush, owing to the popular notion that the Hajj al-Gama, pilgrimage of the Friday, is seven times blessed, or even equivalent to making it seven times in ordinary years. As any beggar in the street could tell a man this, it may give you some notion of how absurdly people make theories out of nothing for want of a little common sense. The Mulid and Nabi, festival of the Prophet, has just begun. I am to have a place in the great Darwish's tent to see the dosa. The Nile is rising fast. We shall kill the poor little Luxor black lamb on the day of the opening of the canal, and have a fantasia at night. Only I grieve for my little white pussy, who sleeps every night on the abluks, the lamb's woolly neck, and loves him dearly. Pussy, bish, is Arabic for pus, was the gift of a Coptic boy at Luxor, and is wonderfully famous, and as much more active and lissom than a European cat as an Arab is than an Englishman. She and Ahmed and Abluk have fine games of romps. Omar has set his heart on an English signet ring with an oval stone to engrave his name on. Here, you know, they sign the papers with a signet, not with a pen. It must be solid to stand hard work. Well, I must finish this endless letter. Here comes such a bouquet from the Pasha's garden. Somebody's sister's son is servant to the chief eunuch and brings it to me. A great round of scarlet, surrounded with white and green, and with tall reeds, on which are threaded single tube-rose flowers, rising out of it so as to figure a huge flower with white pistols. Arab gardeners beat French flower-girls in bouquets. End of letter 82. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.